everyone, and welcome to this session in the series of five on the impact of cloud and PLM on small and medium-sized businesses. I am your host, Mary McDonald, Global Industry Marketing Leader for Small and Medium Business at Siemens Digital Industries Software. Continuing our existing theme, we will discuss how the cloud is changing the product development process and having a fundamental impact on the way your business runs. Today, I am joined by my colleague, Tim Yerby, Solution Director for Industrial Machinery here at Siemens, who will be providing his insights on cloud-based PLM for component manufacturers. So Tim, you joined Siemens from years working for small to medium manufacturers. Can you tell me a bit about your background? So for the first 15 or so years, I was on the manufacturing side and responsible for manufacturing and engineering, as well as facility operations and maintenance. And then for the last 20 or so, my responsibilities were more on the product development, product design, and innovation side of the house. A fair number of those years I've spent at component manufacturers, including some automotive component manufacturing organizations, as well as some organizations that provided components into consumer and agricultural products. So when you were there with these companies and doing product development and design and innovation, what do you feel were some of the challenges working for a smaller company to implement a digital environment or implement new technology, realizing that uh, some had limited resources or they're just comfortable with the status quo? What type of challenges did you see that are still relevant today with our smaller manufacturers? Right. So, of course, over that period, I've seen basically the entire history and development of CAM. And then as we moved into product data management and product lifecycle management, we've been on and seen that journey as well. So the software has obviously gotten better and the capabilities have gotten better over the years. But there's always the issue, particularly with smaller and medium-sized businesses, about priorities, particularly the priorities for your IT departments. The key issue is often the resources needed in implementing these systems and then even maintaining these systems. So for a larger organization, you might have dedicated staff who maintains the PLM system or manages the CAD system or the PLM system, whereas smaller to medium business, generally you don't have the luxury of an additional staff member or the cost structure that can enable that additional staff. So the challenge for the smaller to medium-sized business is getting the resources necessary to implement and maintain these kinds of systems. So one of the things that I've seen is that as we've been on this journey with a couple of very small organizations where I worked, we would have cloud availability of systems or this packaged software where you can basically sign up and get going right away with a standard solution that may not be customized, or if it is customized, it's, it's customizable by the users or by the department manager and doesn't require IT staff. That's one of the challenges that I've seen that's been key for smaller, medium businesses is to be able to effectively implement systems without a lot of support from IT. That's great. So that goes right into their perception of a PLM system of being difficult to implement, or like you say, requires a dedicated IT resource, or maybe it's just too expensive. So with cloud and now SaaS, how does a smaller manufacturer finally take advantage of a PLM system? And what would you consider are the first steps they should be looking at to implement PLM with those constraints around resources? Right. I think the constraint you start thinking about, obviously, is, is it going to work with our CAD system? And that's always a big question. 
I've got all these seats of CAD and I've got all this data and is it going to work? So that really is an important first step, just understanding what will work with your current system. Beyond that, you're thinking, okay, what company can assure me that they can handle my CAD data and it will remain the same? Because we don't want to change the CAD system just to go to PLM. We're just going to utilize it and manage it in the new PLM system. Then the next steps are, of course, uh, a more te technical capability question, such as can it handle change management? Is it going to manage my engineering change process? And then there's, of course, the integrations and what's going to happen to it because the process doesn't end with PLM. The main purpose of PLM is to make sure that your CAD data and your bill of material data can be utilized by the rest of the organization. The rest of the organization, of course, being your ERP and, and MRP systems. And then, of course, your manufacturing system. You know, if you're making components in-house or pieces in-house, can they use that bomb data and then say, okay, here's how we plan the manufacturing process based on that. Here's the pieces we need to manufacture to make the finished product. So one of the goals that we see for PLM for component manufacturers is to avoid a change in process or a change in how someone does their job. Instead, we're trying to remove the day-to-day -day headaches and barriers that many manufacturers face by helping to create a more efficient process. So speaking about those types of headaches or inefficiencies, Tim, in your experience, what kind of issues or headaches did you, you particularly see? Well, one of the things that was always a bit of a headache is the release process. Um, you know, as you get into situations where project timelines are tight, and uh, let's say in an example, you're a, you're a manufacturer of a gear motor that's a component that goes into a larger machine somewhere. And the customer needs a custom design, and you're going to reuse 80% of the bill of material. So you only have to customize about 20%. Right. Well, the manufacturing organization wants the bill of material released in its entirety. But if that's what you're going to do, it means I have to hold 80% of the bill of material that I'm going to reuse until the 20% that I have to modify and customize is finished. That is not an efficient system, especially when timelines are tight. For the supply chain, uh, one of the things that the organization needs is a process and data management that allows you to say, I'm going to release this 80% of the bill of material that's ready to go because we're not changing it. We're not changing the guts of the motor. We're not changing the motor itself. Maybe we're not even changing the gears and the gear motor, but we have to change the housing and maybe the mounting brackets in this example. So that's the 20% I have to modify. And I'm going to release the 80% and I'm going to modify the 20%. That sort of hybrid release process can cause organizations issues if you don't have a nimble PLM system, because then, you know, you run into what's changed and what hasn't changed, what's been released, what hasn't been released, and you have to handle it with rolling releases. So when we ran into that issue previously, it took a bit of work working through the process to make sure that everybody understood we were going to release pieces as soon as they were done because you want to give your supply chain personnel as much lead time as possible to acquire those pieces. So, so when you talk about needing a nimble PLM system, how do you actually see PLM for component manufacturers being t being that advantage? So, you know, there's a couple of things, of course. Steam Center is the gold standard in the industry with respect to PLM management. So one of the big advantages I see for small to medium businesses is whereas this type of technology may have been previously only available to large enterprises that could afford and support it, or, you know, because they needed a large, either a large services engagement or customization, 
work to set up for their process, Siemens has now created sort of an industry standard process that should work for the vast majority of customers, essentially out of the box. And even if it needs a little bit of customization, it's not a lot of customization. So any consulting or services cost is much smaller. I think that probably uh, that's the single biggest advantage. Another one that a lot of people don't think about, but particularly as we think about moving to cloud or SaaS versus years past is engaging in a significant piece of software usually meant a substantial commitment in terms of capital, as well as the resources. And then once companies made that commitment, they were gonna make what they committed to work come hell or high water, right? Even if it required sort of doubling down on their investment. One of the things this does with the SaaS model is organizations can sort of dip their toe in the water, if you will. Maybe it starts in one department and maybe that department starts using it. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing investment. You don't have to switch over everything, you know, big bang type changeover where you can't do any work for two weeks because there's some sort of bug in the system with SaaS. With a monthly commitment, you could say, we're going to give it a try. We're going to work the bugs out in this department. And then you've not made a giant commitment. It's not a multi-million dollar commitment, commitment that's going to take you, you know, six to nine months consulting engagement to get to a solution. You sign up with a certain number of users. There's a monthly fee. If it goes well, you can add users. You can roll it out across your organization. Maybe you can even build in some, some of our additional modules and just continue to grow with the organization. If you decide you don't like it, it's not working out for whatever reason, you just turn it off. You quit paying. So it's, it's a less risky proposition. You're sort of de-risking trying these new software solutions. That's great, Tim. So if you had a group of manufacturers sitting in a room today, what's the one thing that you'd want to get across to them? How would they begin the process of introducing new technology or building an efficient PLM process? Yeah, again, I, I think it's the ability to quickly get started and try it out with that low commitment cost. It's just a monthly subscription cost. You know, most organizations, that decision is made at the department level, doesn't need to go to the VP. It's it's a situation where you just say, we're, we're going to sign up for this subscription for this software and we're going to test it out, if you will. But, you know, once it's in and it's proven working, that's a different story. It's easier to get going with new technology than if you have to justify a seven or eight figure investment. You know, you just, just go ahead and do it. It's almost the Nike thing of just do it, right? Just do it. Just try it out. Um, if it saves your team hours of work, then you can go ahead and agree it is working great. We need to expand this. Here's a success story. That's that's probably some of my perspective from my background in innovation. We were always semi-skunkworks anyway, where we were prototyping and testing before we made major commitments. Well, thanks, Tim. This is this is great, and this has been a great conversation. It's talking about PLM, and thanks for joining us in the discussion about how PLM for component manufacturers are introducing new opportunities and address day-to-day -day challenges and headaches faced by many small to medium business, and showing us how technology and the introduction of SaaS solutions provide avenues to innovation. And again, thanks to our listeners for joining us. Please stay tuned for the next podcast in this series, where we'll be discussing SaaS solutions for the medical device industry.